LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. I'd say, man, anyone going into leadership for the very first time, uh, I'd say two things need to be priority for you in your leadership. One is a relentless commitment to the development of your character. And give things matter. Um, you need to cultivate those. The Lord gave those to you, and so they do matter. They're not lesser than. Um, but man, your, your giftings are only as good as your character is. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, doing good? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. We're about to head out to Yellowstone uh, in a few days, so we're we're excited to to go out there. Are you guys going to meet the Eldridges out there? Hey, we we got his itinerary, okay. and we're going to follow it pretty pretty to the T. So it should be a fun trip. That's really wise of you. That's really wise. Of you. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited uh, for you guys, but also excited to have a conversation today with a guy named Andre Gray, who is a congregation pastor at the Austin Stone Community Church. Andre is a first generation American of Jamaican descent who was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. He served in our Navy for six years. He is passionate about Jesus and preaching and teaching. Now, a couple of things I know about Andre that I've discovered uh, at my time here at the Austin Stone Community Church, because he is my boss and my leader, but also, you know, I take, you know, genuine interest in his life, but he's an <laughs> avid uh, sneakerhead. He loves pro wrestling and uh, he's a hip hop connoisseur. And most importantly, he's a uh, big, giant Lakers fan, which it's a good time to be a Lakers fan. Andre, happy to have you on, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good, brothers. Uh, I'm glad to be here. And you are absolutely right. It is a fantastic time. <laughs> so, Angela Flaker. so you're from you're from Brooklyn, New York. Yes, sir. I'm a I'm a New York Knicks fan. You you now root for the L.A. Lakers. How did your fanhood move from? Even if it was Brooklyn Nets or even if it was the Knicks, how did you move to the Lakers fan? For sure, Chandler. That's an that's an incredible question. First, <laughs> first, let me say my fandom never moved. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a Laker fan since day one. That's the only team I've ever rooted for. I'm a real. There you go. I'm a real fan. So I'll tell you the story. Um, here I am, a, a young uh, Jamaican kid. Now you got to know this part of my story. I was born in Brooklyn. Yes. But we moved to Jamaica. My family moved to Jamaica when I was about three or so. So uh, while on paper, I was a U.S. citizen. Functionally, when we moved back, I was a foreigner. Hmm. Nothing about American culture, American sports, any of that stuff. I'm this young, you know, Jamaican kid. Show back up to the States. And this was late 90s. Um, Kobe is in the oh, yeah. This is like his first or second year in the league. Yeah. And I just remember we had gotten cable at one point. And there were two things that me and my three things that me and my brothers discovered when we finally got cable. We discovered pro wrestling. <laughs> we discovered Cartoon Network, which changed my life. And uh, we discovered uh, American sports, uh, particularly basketball. And I just Kobe was on the screen. I got oh, yeah. into him. I've been a fan of his since the early days. And uh, I've been riding with him ever since. And so when he retired, I'm like, there's, there's no leaving. I'm, there's no leaving the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan to the grave, dude. Purple and gold all day. Dre, do you remember where you were when you heard the news that Kobe 
passed away in that helicopter accident. Yeah, I know exactly where I was. Uh, yeah, me too. I was in uh, a local place here in Austin called Pine House Pizza. It was on that Sunday. Uh, service had just ended um, and uh, took my wife and my mother-in-law to lunch uh, at Pine House. My mother-in-law was visiting. We're sitting in Pine House, ordered our food, and all of a sudden my wife looks up at the TV and she and she says, uh, she taps me, she goes, babe, look what happened. Yeah. I looked up, dude, and it just, and I looked at my phone and I'm getting blown up. Yeah. And had no idea how to respond because I wanted to like freak out. I'm at lunch with my mother-in-law and all of that, dude. So I had to kind of, I had to kind of compress, hold my feelings in. And, um, but yeah, dude, I remember exactly where I was and yeah. all the emotions that came with it. So crazy, man. Kobe Chandler, Kobe would have been a great one to have on this podcast, dude. Oh yeah. So you know what, sure. Kobe, this podcast is for you. <laughs> We're doing this one for you, Kobe. Rest in peace. Yes, Rest in peace to Kobe and Gianna, man. Oh man. It, it, I, it really was one of those moments. I saw like the TMZ report. And you just normally when you see that, you're like, this could be fake. Right. Yeah. And just hoped it was. And then other reports came out just such such a sad day. And man, just 2020. I mean, we had no clue what we were in for stepping into this year. But well, Andre, we are so excited to to get to talk with you today. I know I know Josh has gotten to to know you over the past uh, month or two and. I'm excited to hear about your journey as well and, and our listeners. So we would love for you to just walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years. We heard a little bit even of your past of moving from Brooklyn to Jamaica back to the States. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of how God has led you to where you are at the Austin Stone. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh, I mean, when I think of just about my story in general, um, uh, I am a, a, a young Jamaican kid at heart, man. My mom and dad, born and raised on the island of Jamaica, um, started their life in Brooklyn, New York, here in the States. Um, and, uh, man, something that's not unusual for uh, for foreigners is that, is that, especially when it's really hard at first to sort of get life going in the States, they'll usually um, go back home where they're from and usually with their kids and, and just sort of figure out how we're going to navigate life in the States. That's what happened. My dad took me and my brothers back to Jamaica. My grandmother tried to help raise us while my mom and him were trying to figure out how to, uh, how to make life work with three young, three young boys in a one bedroom shack in Brooklyn. Um, wow. And so all I knew was Jamaica. We moved back when I was like 10 or so, um, lived there for a few years. And then we made one last big family move, uh, to central Florida, Orlando specifically, right before I started high school. Um, so I li- those are like the three pockets that sort of made up my childhood, Jamaica, Brooklyn and Orlando, Florida. So when I think about just my journey and leadership in my journey, for me, my leadership journey really started at the age of 16. And I say that because that's when the Lord saved me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I-, I came to know Christ at the age of 16. I was a young, rebellious high school kid. I was involved in all sorts of craziness. Um, just chasing after identity and purpose. And so that sort of found me running down the trails of, um, of gang life and, and drugs and I mean, all the things that come with that. Um, and so that was sort of the, 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 uh, the path and the road that I was following in an, in an attempt to find identity and purpose. And man, the Lord sort of stopped me in my tracks. He saved me right before I had the opportunity to really, really ruin my life, um, which I'm eternally grateful for. And uh, before I got saved, I always tell people this, man, I was not I was not really a really I was not a very ambitious 
um, kid. I didn't really have a whole lot of dreams and goals and things I wanted to do. If people ask me before I got saved, Andre, what do you want to do with your life? I tell them, man, I either want to be a famous rapper or go play basketball. Mm. Um, those are the two things that like I felt like I could do or that I was good at, if, if, if anything. But man, the Lord saved me. And not too long after that, uh, felt a very clear call into full-time pastoral ministry, which funny enough, uh, was not the first time that I had heard um, or came or had the knowledge of the fact that that might be a pathway for me. I grew up in a household where my mom would always tell me, oh, Andre, you're going to be a great man of God one day. The Lord's going to use you mightily. And I'd be in my room with my with my drugs and my draw, looking at my mom like, you're a crazy lady. He's <laughs> some great preacher doing incredible things for the Lord. Are you insane? That's not my life. That's not, I don't even want that. And uh, 16, the Lord saves me and starts me on that journey. And all of my leadership, everything that I've done, all that the Lord has given me, um, has been wrapped around that, around me being a part of his kingdom and him choosing for whatever reason to use me in, in his kingdom um, in various ways. Hmm. So from 16, you know, you, the Lord saves you all of a sudden, you know, there's a calling to go into full-time ministry. Hmm. What, what did those steps afterwards? Like, where'd you start? You know, how, how did you kind of get your feet wet in the ministry and, and yeah. cut your teeth? Man, that's a great question. So it really all started with, uh, with my giftings. Um, so I sort of was in a world and in a church tradition where man, gifts mattered highly. I wouldn't say character didn't matter. Um, but man, if, if, if you had gifts, dude, it, it would get you into some doors. Um, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a whole lot of checking for your character. So that was the world that I found myself in. And, um, man, for the Lord, for whatever reason has, has, has graced me and gifted me with some, uh, some pretty forward facing gifts, particularly preaching and teaching. Um, and, and, and some high level leadership. And so those are just raw gifts that I had. It wasn't anything that I cultivated or that I learned. I just had them. Um, and it was pretty evident from, from the very beginning. And so that sort of, as I began sort of entering into that world, being given opportunities to preach at my youth group and opportunities to sort of be a student leader within my, my youth group, like those are the beginning days of it all for me. And so my gifts sort of came out of me and, and were pretty evident. Um, and the leaders around me saw that and they would just pull me into different things. I remember I was uh, 18 years old. I was in North Carolina at um, uh, at the old Bobcat Stadium. And I was doing oh. this, uh, I was doing this youth event that, uh, I, that that was happening in the denomination that my family was a part of, the Assemblies of God. And they do this annual thing called Fine Arts. So I was at the national uh, I was at the national convention for this particular festival. And I was engaging in the short sermon category uh, of the competition. And I'd won that year. Uh, this was 2008. This is my last year of high school. I won that year. And so I, here I am on the last night of the um, of the celebration, found out that I'd won the category, which meant that I was going to get an opportunity to preach my little 10 minute sermonette. And I found myself on this stage in the old Bobcat Stadium in front of like 30,000 people shooting this 10 minute sermon on uh, on uh, going to the nations and being evangelistic and reaching all people for the for the, for the for the fame and glory of Christ. So here I am preaching this 10 minute sermonette. And I remember getting off the stage and walking out the back with my mom and the security guard lady stopped me and she goes, young man, was that you uh, that was preaching just a second ago? And I said, yes, man, that was me. And she said, I haven't been to church in years, but baby, you had me. Tears. You had me in wow. tears. 
And so we, we left that moment and me and my mom were walking back to the parking lot to get to the car. And I remember asking myself over and over and over again, how in the world did I get here? How did I like, how did, how was this happening to me? I mean, pastors from all over the nation. I don't know them. They're shaking my hand. Who's this young man? I mean, just asking for, do I have a business card? I'm, dude, I'm <laughs> senior in high school, dude. And I'm trying to like figure out what in the world is happening right now. And so, man, that was sort of the start of my journey. Like, man, just starting out in my youth group and my gifts really were so forward facing that it pulled me into certain rooms and certain doors that quite honestly, I didn't have any business being in at that point. But man, mm-hmm. that's, that's how that sort of worked for me uh, there in the beginning. Well, one, I love that she called you baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Southern black women, man, that's all they do. They call, hey, baby. They call you baby and sweetie. <laughs> Good. Uh, so looking back on your story, man, and obviously I've got to spend a lot of time with Dre Chandler. I've known Dre for like five years now because he actually came to Student Life Camp as like a volunteer group leader with a, oh, wow. with a camp director um, in 2015, 2016. And so I've heard a good bit of your story, um, but specifically since I got here to Austin. Um, but tell us about maybe some pivotal moments that you had, like maybe one pivotal moment that you look back on that changed your leadership direction and changed your life. And I know a big one was obviously like the Lord saving you, but maybe just specifically with your leadership or leadership style or how to lead. Um, what was a pivotal moment that um, shaped you? Yeah, man, that's uh, that, 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 that's a really good one. I have to I have to name two of them for you. Good, good. One of them, man, is uh, so here I am. Uh, I'll pick back up the story at when here I am as a, as a young 18 year old a senior in high school. I just won that fine arts thing. And everyone around me is looking at me and saying, hey, Dre, dude, you're going to be the next whatever. They were putting out all the big names. You're going to be the next TDJ. You're going to be the next, you know, you name the big, you know, Christian names. And they thought I was going to be that. And so they're putting, they're pumping me with that, saying, "Hey, dude, you got to go to Bible college. You're going to go be a pastor, and like, dude, you're like, you're on your way." And I remember uh, getting back from that event, getting back from that festival, <clears throat> and trying to figure out my next steps. I'm graduating high school. Um, I there's no question about it. I want to be a pastor. I want to be in full time vocational ministry. I want to preach the gospel. That's what I'm ambitious about. That's what I felt called to. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy me other than getting to do that with my life. And so that was the pathway. It's like, well, how do I do that? Well, clearly, at least to me, you go to Bible college. And that's the the start of the journey. And I remember getting back from that event and uh, was trying to figure out what that was going to look like and do all that. And I was sitting in my living room one day and I had, uh, 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 don't judge me, but I had TBN on. And uh, so I I had TBN on the TV and I'm watching this Christian network. And some preacher was on there. They were broadcasting some preacher from some church. I uh, can't remember who or, or where it was. And uh, I don't even remember what the sermon was about. But he said this one line in the sermon that stuck with me. And in the sermon, he said, uh, he said, your, your giftings, sometimes your giftings will take you where your character cannot sustain you. Mm-hmm. And dude, that stopped me in my tracks. So I'm sitting there and I heard that line and I remember just being just completely overcome with it and saying to myself, that's me. That's me. My, my, my gifts have taken me to a place that I don't feel like my character can sustain me. Dude, I'm looking at here. I am a young Christian kid wanting to wanting to grow up in the ministry, wanting to get into full time ministry. And I'm looking at so many different leaders 
just falling by the wayside, left mm-hmm. in the fire. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of people today that would say the same, looking at their heroes, falling by the wayside, left and right. And a lot of it, at the end of the day, boils down to character, dude. It boils down to character. And I remember for me, that was a moment where I said, I, I, I remember saying to the Lord, I don't want to embarrass you and I don't want to embarrass your kingdom. Mm. I think if, if, if I keep going down the path I'm going down, lots of doors are going to open up for me. And I'm afraid that I'm going to embarrass the Lord. I'm going to embarrass the kingdom of God. So, dude, I, I made a full break. I said, I'm not going to Bible college. I'm not ready. And everyone around me thought I was absolutely insane. And I didn't really have a plan B. I just stayed home and worked and was just sort of waiting on the Lord, to be honest, um, waiting on him to sort of direct my path and, 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 and direct my next steps. That was one. That was a pivotal moment for me where the Lord sort of just hit the brakes for me um, in a way where, where, man, my gifts were so forward facing. No one was digging into my character, into the behind the scenes. Man, how are you living your life? How's your holiness? How's your righteousness? No one was asking me those questions. Um, and dude, so the Lord in that moment from that preacher on that TBN uh, uh, station uh, sort of stopped me in my tracks with that one line. Second pivotal moment for me in my ministry and my leadership uh, had to be while I was in Bible college in Dallas, Texas, uh, at Southwestern Sons of God University. And I was serving and going to uh, my local church in, um, uh, in Midlothian, Stonegate Church. And so, uh, so I'm at Stonegate, by the way, shout out to Stonegate and Rodney Hobbs. I love you guys if you're listening. <laughs> and so I'm at Stonegate, dude. And, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going through, you know, as a regular church member, just serving all that stuff. And I remember, uh, going through one of the most pivotal moments in my life in 2015. And that moment was going through this thing that we did at the church called redemption groups. And it was this real high intensive sort of weekend uh, moment where you sort of get together in, in, in a group setting and walk through the story of Exodus. And it's sort of like this, like a uh, uh, super intense uh, situation where man, sin is getting confessed and you're sort of like, man, it's sort of like a do or die moment uh, when it comes to like sanctification. That's what it's meant to be. So I remember jumping into that redemption group in the spring of 2015. And dude, I had all this sin in my life, all this, all these character flaws, all these things that I was doing. And here I'm at this church. And once again, I'm at this local church. And, and the first thing that everyone's going to notice about Andre are his gifts. That's what's getting me in the doors. That's what's getting me connection with different leaders and different people and all of that. And dude, that was the first time that I felt compelled by the spirit and by community to actually be vulnerable, to actually confess sin, to mm-hmm. actually lean into character and not to gifting. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be a leader at this church, if I'm going to be a leader at all in the kingdom of God, I've got to be willing to dig into the deep, dark places of my soul and really deal with the areas where I'm flawed and where I need to lean into my weakness and trust the Lord for the rest and not try to lean into the strengths of my, of my giftings. And that was the first time that I had ever done that, um, that I'd ever actually stepped into that realm. And I didn't know how everyone was going to respond. It was a scary moment for me. I expected everyone to sort of be like, well, that's the end of him. His ministry days are over. His trajectory is shot. It's done. Because I, I confess in dark, dark stuff in that room. And man, all those men embraced me. Uh, it showed me grace and love. And dude, I, that, that just made me realize for the first time, oh, it's not my gifts that the Lord cares about. It's not my gifts that opens up um, opportunity and, and, and what the Lord is looking at when it comes at, when it comes to what he wants to do with my life. It's really my character. It's really my heart. Man, Dre, where's your heart at? How's your soul doing? And when we get to the root of that, that's going to begin to define 
where the Lord is going to take you down the road. So mm-hmm. and those two moments, I'll never forget them. They changed my life forever. Those are those are really good. We've talked a lot on this podcast, Jay, about character. You know, you're using the word gifts and I actually really like that you use that word because it is a it is a different word than we've used before. But we talk a lot about character over competency. Right. So like basically character over gifting um, and how to lean into vulnerability. But thanks for sharing that, man. And praise the Lord that he that he put you through that and that you were able to go through that and have people around you to accept you. So you were talking like out of high school, you put a pause in Bible college, but you ended up in Bible college later. Is that when you were in the Navy kind of in those in between year, like six years or something like that? Yeah. So, um, so in 2000, so I graduated from high school, 2008, um, uh, paused on, on Bible college. I was just working from home. I moved back to New York in 2010 and with no real plan, I just needed to get out of Orlando, get out of that small town I was living in and uh, move back to New York just to have a different scenery. 2012, two years into being back in New York, I ended up joining the Navy Reserves. Um, and so I spent all of 2013 all across the country in different trainings and doing different things. Came back and sort of started my reserve duty in Brooklyn. And once I got once I got accepted into uh, into uh, Southwestern Assemblies of God, Sort of moved to Dallas and sort of finished out my Nate, my uh, my reserve duties at a re- joint reserve base in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so six years uh, and five of those were spent as a reservist uh, all while I was in uh, Dallas, Texas. Cool, cool. So you were talking, and just as Josh was saying, that theme has come up of character, 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 mm-hmm. and just. I was reading through Proverbs uh, over the past month and just over and over again, you see that the way of the godly is humility, integrity. Um, one of the verses I, I read this morning was Proverbs 28 says better the poor person who lives with integrity than the rich one who distorts right and wrong. And just a great reminder that for young leaders, uh, just Andre sharing there, your gifts can of course outpace your character and I would just encourage you in the same way that he confessed sin. And there's so many times that we feel just as he was saying that if I share this, it's going to discredit everything that I've done. And it's, it's, it's the enemy basically telling you, if you say this, you're, you're canceled. Yes. None of this. Yeah. And cancel culture is not a thing with the Lord. Right. I mean, he's going to use your story uh, through grace to redeem it. So if you're feeling, maybe you're sitting there where, where Andre was, if, if, if I share this, you know, I've gotten into the door some places, but if I share this, it's going to discredit me. I mean, I just encourage you. I'm encouraged here just to be able to share, be open and get community around you that can know you and know your, your tendencies. So thank you for that encouragement. Very, very convicting there. Yeah. Well, as you're getting started, um, you know, different leadership roles. Yeah. Uh, sure. There were some mistakes along the way that you learned from Looking back, what was what was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a uh, that's a that's a really really good uh, really good question. I'd say for me, man, my my, my biggest mistake as a leader getting started um, is is leaning into uh, positional authority and not relational authority. And what I mean by that is, man. Here I am, uh, this, you know, this young kid in leadership and, you know, have all these forward facing giftings and have all these ideas and all these things. And for me, what I noticed was, man, I was I was sort of leaning into uh, that sort of uh, this, this level of like hierarchical authority where it's like, dude, 
I'm in charge. So if I say go X, Y, Z, that's what we're going to do, go X, Y, Z. And then what I learned with that is that, dude, in ministry, man, and when you're dealing with, especially in ministry, excuse me, um, and when you're when you're dealing with people, man, it does it, it leadership doesn't it just doesn't work like that. And here, here's why I was leaning into that. This is why I was leaning into that, dude. The Navy beat it into me. Yeah. <laughs> and like my 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 first days really of like leadership formation, if you will, was the Navy. I mean, that 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 that's who I mean, I was a young 21, 22 year old kid, joined the Navy. And that's where I sort of got my uh, my early days, if you will, my beginning days of like leadership development and formation. And so in that world, dude, uh, if you're a subordinate, you, there's no you don't need to think. You just do what you're told um, and you do it with joy and you do it fast. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how I that, that's what I that's what I sort of lean into. That's what I thought. It's like, OK, if I'm in the higher position, then. I tell the, those that are below me what to do and they ought to do it and they ought to do it joyfully and do it fast. And if whoever's higher than me, when they tell me to do something, I'm going to do it fast. I'm going to do it joyfully. And that's just, that was my framework for leadership. And I learned very quickly stepping into ministry um, uh, that man, it just, when you're dealing with people, uh, it just doesn't work like that. That's just not the way that, 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 that leadership works. You've got to really, really be, be humble uh, you've got to really be willing to get buy-in from people. That's like one of the things that I, I just, I loathed this idea of having to get buy-in. I'm like, why would I need to get buy-in? If I tell them to do it, they ought to just do it. Yeah, that's important. But man, just learning those kind of things and yeah. really leaning into the ways of Jesus, if I'm being honest, dude, that's where the, that's where I just, as I began to just read the scriptures or continue to read the scriptures and grow in my understanding of the scriptures, it was very evident to me that, dude, here is Jesus, the God of the universe. If there's anybody that can say, do whatever I tell you to do and do it with joy and do it fast, <laughs> it's Jesus. Yep. Man, that's just not the way he operated. That's he good. didn't operate that way, man. He, he led with humility. He led with love. He led by trying to get buy-in, trying to bring the disciples in, bring them into the reality of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. This is what the kingdom is about. Do you want a piece of that? Do you want a part of that? I mean, he was always um, leading from that posture of relational leadership and not hierarchical leadership. And so, man, I, 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 th- those are some of the early day mistakes that I made of just having to, you know, take all the all the meat that the Navy gave me and spit out the bones, if you will. Yeah. And that's what I, it's, it's fascinating. You know, we we gave away for our top books of 2019. One of the books we gave away was Extreme Ownership by Jocko. Mm. And, you know, he comes with that military background, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, making you feel terrible about yourself. Um, (laughs) He herniates a disc and just keeps working out, you know. (laughs) But there's so, I mean, you just said it right there. There is meat in in those type of uh, leadership understandings and and backgrounds, but you need to spit out the bones. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you said you know, look at the way of Jesus and the way he led was not just, Hey, here's my positional authority. Do it. I am. I am the son of God. You are not. Um, you're acting like you are, but you're not. Exactly. Um, but what, what were, what were some of the pieces that you took away? Cause I, I love speaking with people who have a military background and man, thank you for your service in that. And there, there are things that you learn during that season that there is meat to be taken away that I think even as church leaders, you know, we do need to reflect on, you know, comparing this to how Jesus led is different. But what were maybe two or three things from your time in the Navy that you took into a, a leadership position? 
Oh man, yeah, that's great. I'd say uh, one one thing for sure is while I was uh, uh, while I was in boot camp, um, I had some of the best what they call RDCs or drill instructors. Um, man, I had some of the best RDCs that that, that you could that you could have ever had. And I remember uh, while I was going through boot camp, I'll tell this funny story, dude. Um, that's what I think it is. Yeah, it, it's what you think it is. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in boot camp, dude, and um, I, I can't swim. Now, a lot of people ask me, like, dude, you were in the Navy and you can't swim? Yes. You're from Jamaica and you can't swim? Yes. It, yes. <laughs> Shut up, leave me alone. <laughs> All of those things are true. <laughs> and so, dude, I'm in the Navy. I can't swim. And one of the things you've got to do to get through boot camp is you've got to pass what they call a swim test which is really not in an effort to, to figure out whether or not you can actually swim. It's really the Navy's way of being able to say, hey, we are able to observe that this individual uh, can, can last long enough if they were to uh, fall overboard um, until rescue can come get them. That, that's, that's the point of the test. So, man, I'm doing this swim test, and you got to swim uh, from one end to the other end of an Olympic-sized pool. That's one part of the test. Other part of the test is you've got to do uh, this five-minute face-down prone float, prone float um, and then the last part of the test is you take this uh, this sort of overall coverall uniform that we have, you get in the water, you toss it over you, creates like a little air bubble and it's sort of like a makeshift float. Um, and you do those three things, you pass the test, you keep going through boot camp. So I get to the swim test, dude, and I'm, I can't do it. I boshed it. I mean, I just I, I, I can't I can't swim. I don't know how to get past this thing. They're giving me the baby lessons in the kiddie pool on the side like that. is happening. And um, I remember I didn't pass the test the first time. And when you don't pass the test the first time, every day from that point forward, in the morning and in the evening, you've got to go to the pool. Twice a day, you go to the pool and you've got to try to take the test over again. And uh, they, they refer to you as swimmers. Whenever whenever you're taking a while to pass the test, they just they, they nickname us swimmers. So, dude, here I am. I'm a swimmer in the Navy um, in boot camp. I've got to march to this Olympic-sized pool. Uh, twice a day in the morning and the evening. And anyway, dude, it took me weeks uh, to be able to pass this uh, uh, t- this test. I mean, just weeks on weeks. And I remember one day I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go in the evening to the test and my chief comes out and he goes, hey, Greg, go into, I need you to go into the fishbowl right now. Now the fishbowl is this little office that was in the barracks of my particular unit that I was a part of that had glass all around it. We called it the fishbowl. Um, that was the, that was the office for our RDCs. And dude, if you get called into the fishbowl in boot camp, that's not a good thing. <laughs> so all my peers are looking at me like, "Oh, what did Greg do? What's going on?" I'm nervous. I'm like, "What did I do? Why am I being called into the fishbowl?" You got to go in there, and the uh, the landline that's in that room was off the hook. And my chief looks at me and he goes, "Pick up the phone." <laughs> dude, I'm absolutely confused. Like, wow, what in the world? Dude, you don't get phone calls in boot camp. That's not a thing. Why is he asking me to pick up the phone? What? And so I'm thinking, dude, I'm in terrible trouble. He closes the door, or he he, he he tells me to pick up the phone. He leaves the room. He closes the door behind him. Pick up the phone, dude. And my mother is on the phone. <laughs> my mom, Marcia Brian Gray, if you're out there, you remember this. My mom is on the phone, and uh, I'm like, "Hello, mom," and she's like, "Oh, baby, your chief called me." He told me I have a hard time with the swim test. You okay? Do you need anything? And I'm like, Mom, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I just can't swim. I don't. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> so, dude, it was this like weird moment of like, why am I on the? This was, it was so embarrassing. But I tell that story, and I ended up passing the test that night. Oh wow! And uh, I, I I won't get into that part of the story, even though it is a funny part of it. But I say all that to say to to answer your question, dude. That was a that was one of those moments that I learned from boot camp where it's like, dude, my chief actually cared about me, man. Like he was he didn't just care about me completing a task. He wanted to make sure that Andre the person was okay and that he was supporting me. And dude, that just I mean, that was that 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 moment sticks with me. That dude, at the end of the day, as a leader, I want to be supportive of the people that I'm leading. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, use people uh, to get tasks done. I want to use tasks to get people done. Um, and that was that 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 was that was that moment for me from my chief is that dude he was utilizing that task of getting that swim test done uh, to work Andre, not work Andre to get the task done. Uh, and so, dude, I, I'll, I'll never forget that. I always walk away from, uh, from um, with, with that in my mind as a leadership lesson in my mind that the Navy gave me. Man, always grateful for that. Have you have you used that tactic yet where you call somebody into your office and you have their mom on the line yet? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're working from home, not the office. But one day I will. And it probably will be Josh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have him have him join a Zoom call and it's just them and their mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I'm. I'll just tell her I'm doing it for my daughter. <laughs> oh, man. Kidding, I don't have a daughter. Dre, when you were just starting to lead, when you got in a leadership position, what book, like looking back now, and I'm, I know you've read a ton of books and um, really well read in several different um, uh, areas, but specifically leadership. But what book do you wish someone had given you knowing what you know now when you just started to lead? Oh, man, that's great. Uh, I'd say, dude, um, the book that I would have loved for someone to give me is a book written by a guy named Brian Loritz uh, uh, called, uh, or excuse me, I'm, 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 I'm messing up on that. Not Brian. Brian is his son, Crawford Loritz, the dad. Uh, Crawford Loritz has a book called uh, Leadership, uh, Leadership as Identity. Um, and dude, I read that book while I was in my residency in Kansas City. I was in a pastoral residency uh, at Redeemer Fellowship in Kansas City. Uh, led by my brother, Brian Key. And uh, man, that was one of the books that he had us reading, uh, that he had us uh, yeah, reading throughout our residency. Um, and dude, I wish I had that when I was like 18, 19, 20 years old, trying to figure out leadership, trying to grow into leadership and just recognizing the spaces of um, leadership that can uh, form identity and function as identity and mm-hmm. the places of that and the very, very unhealthy places of that. Um, man, that would have been a book that I would have loved to have. So if you're a young leader out there, I'd highly recommend go pick up Crawford Loritz, uh Leadership as Identity, man. It, it, it'll change your life. Got to check it out. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And these are going to be the short one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one. Yeah. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office or home office, all that good stuff? I, ideal day? Ideal day. <laughs> I'm a night owl. Like I'm a legit night owl. Um, so my prime, like my brain is going and I'm in the zone and Josh is learning this about me, uh, is between like 10 30 PM and like 3 AM dude in that window, I'm in my bag. I'm, in, I'm knocking out some of my best sermons. I'm coming up with my best ideas. And your boy, is in, your boy is in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Just wake up to a bunch of text. No, I do. I do. I do. That, man, that is my, that, that's my zone, dude. So my ideal day, honestly, dude, I'm getting up at like 
to be to be honest, I'm getting up at like 10 a.m. Uh, I'm getting my day started at like 11, maybe doing some work, being available for for, for, the, for the day people, my morning folks, getting being available for them, answering questions. And uh, dude, probably around like, yeah, probably around like 10 p.m., 10, 30 p.m. I'm in my office and I'm just cranking till three, dude. I'm just cranking away. So that's my ideal day, man. It, it's chopped up. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's real unconventional. It's not sort of, you know, from this time to that time and then you're done and then you move on. Um, I just, I, once I'm in my zone, I'm in my zone. And it's usually in that, in that, in that block of time, 10.30 p.m. to 3 a.m. So my staff team knows, Josh is learning, dude. They'll usually get up in the morning and check that email timestamp and it'll 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 say one twenty four a.m. or two thirty seven a.m. They know <laughs> it's so funny. You know, to all the night owl leaders listening, you finally have hope. There is hope for you. Dre, like I think you're the only one that has that unique of a schedule that's been on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be the latest. Yeah. I don't have a I don't have a conventional schedule at all, man. So um yeah, if it's up to me, that's my day. And so sometimes it is up to me these days. And that is my day. But then other times I've gotta gotta put on my big boy pants and get up for the eight AM meetings. <laughs> the uh we've we've mentioned this book plenty of times on this this uh question, but the book Win by Daniel Pink talks about when you have your rhythm of when you're you know, creative uh juices are flowing and it talks about larks and owls. So mm-hmm. Most of the people that we've had on are larks where they wake up early. We're getting after it, man. If I can wake up at 4 a.m., I'm killing it. But it talks about, I know, right? He's hungry to roll his eyes right now. But it talks about there was a, I think it was a musician who wrote most of their music at night. And I love it. What you just said was like the chapter. It talks about, you know, at seven and at night, they're drinking a cup of coffee while everyone else is going to sleep. They're ready to go. So I love it. Oh, yeah. That's great, man. That's me all the way. So, Dre, Dre, you do like physical activity. You didn't mention like working out or anything, but he can't right now because he's on blood. So, Dre, just to fill everybody in, we, I can't believe we didn't talk about this at the beginning, dude. Yeah. Um, Dre literally almost died from COVID. Like he, they, they caught like it was a miracle from the Lord. We praise God for his hand of grace. He got COVID and then developed five blood clots yeah, that five, were headed to, headed to your lungs, right? Mm-hmm. Or they were in your lungs. Yep. So they were blocking arteries and doing that whole thing. For those that don't know, that's like very, very serious. It's a pulmonary embolism and you can, you can just be gone. Um, and so that was during my move. And so I was uh, kind of like preparing my heart to show up without a boss, just to be honest with you, you know, I was a little worried. Yeah. Um, so in normal days though, when we're off blood thinners, we're, we're going to, we're going to lift some weights together and we'll put that yeah. in our, but it's not going to be 10 o'clock at night. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it won't be four in the morning. We got to meet in the morning. In the middle, in the middle. Well, dude, uh, what's your what's your favorite personality test? Oh, that man, that's so, dude. I haven't really been into personality tests, if I'm being honest with you. Like, I've done them mostly because because uh, uh, I've had to when I applied to a job or something. Um, but I haven't really been like into them, like learning about them, digging into them. But the one that has sort of resonated with me is the is the most recent one that all my all my evangelical brethren out there love right now. It is the Enneagram. Um, that is like, dude, that's like, it's, it's second to the Bible right now. I think <laughs> it's insane how much people love the Enneagram. Um, but I, 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 I resonate with that one mostly because, um, I've just found it to be helpful. That's the first one that I've found to be helpful for myself in terms of, so I'm a, for, for anyone that, that is interested out there, I'm an Enneagram eight. 
Um, and I think that's the best Enneagram number to be. <laughs> um, I don't think there's anything better than an eight. So, um, so yeah, so I'm an Enneagram eight. And I think for me, what, what, what resonated with me with Enneagram is just, it found, it helped really helped to give help, uh, fruitful language for me, um, in terms of understanding how I operate and, how, and really how people perceive me and how yeah. people receive me, um, in different contexts and different settings. It's been a huge help to our, to my marriage, uh, me and my wife, uh, uh, just having an understanding of who we are and how we operate and, um, being able to love each other well and have a better understanding of each other. So, um, so I'm not an Enneagram fanatic, but I like the Enneagram. I would even say I love it. Um, only because I found it to be personally helpful for me, um, in my leadership and my understanding of who Andre is. So what's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? An unusual habit that helps me in my leadership, man. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I have a, a, an, 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 an unusual habit. Uh, that helps me in my leadership. I, I'd probably say it's, uh, yeah, just probably working those late nights, man. Like, um, I think for me, most, if I look back, most of like the sermons that I'm like, dude, I cannot wait to preach this thing. Like, like those moments for me usually happen in that, in that weird block, dude. And so, uh, my wife loves her sleep. She usually goes to bed around 9 30, 10 PM. And, uh, I usually sort of, slide out of the bed after we've cuddled and she's gotten her rest and creep my way to the office and then get the cranking dude. (laughs) We've talked about this a couple of times. I'll name one for you, Dre, because I've been able to work with you for a little bit now. So Dre is really good. Well, (laughs) I'll talk about both sides of the mouth. He's really bad and he gets crazy when he keeps his ideas in his head. Like if all of his ideas are just stand up here in Chandler, we've talked about this the past few times, but he's really good. I think what, from what I've observed about getting them out of his head onto paper. And then once he gets those things on the paper, like, you know, uh, types it out or whatever, they're like really, he's like a normal functioning person. But when he's got those ideas stuck in his head, you can just tell like his ideas are bouncing around. He's going crazy a little bit, but I think that's good. That's a, you're actually right about that. Yeah. I'm, I, I, uh, um, I, I can rarely function. If I have ideas floating in my head and things are happening, it, it usually cripples me in terms of my leadership. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know where we're going, what we're doing. I don't know who's doing what. <clears throat> my team will tell you, man, I can start like digging into people's things and just like, hey, we need a meeting right now. We got to sync up. We got to talk because I feel I'm feeling itchy and antsy. But dude, if I just spend the time to just sit down and just slowly just like start letting those things out of my brain, writing them down getting them out. Once my brain is clear and I've got it on paper, I can look at it from there. I know, Oh, we're good. (laughs) As Andre's XP and like his right hand for South congregation, I'm just going to start carrying around a whiteboard for him to write. (laughs) ideas. There you go. Just write. (laughs) That's good. Andre, what's your favorite app on your phone? Uh, My favorite app on my phone, man, as an avid sneakerhead, dude, it's so it's, it's my favorite and my least favorite app. I got a lovely relationship with this app, dude. As a sneakerhead, I love the sneakers app. It's Nike's app for when they do these launches, you know, on their on on, on that app. Um, and uh, dude, I love the app because man, it's just the, the adrenaline rush trying to get you know the pair of sneakers that like, dude, I can't. I need these in my life. <laughs> but any sneakerhead out there will tell you that you rarely, rarely, rarely hit on the sneakers app, dude. And it is so frustrating, especially for those like sneakers that it's like, dude, you, you got to have those ones. Um, 
you really hit on them. And so, man, I'm, I'm most of the time I'm frustrated with the sneakers app, but I love the app, dude. There's so many good sneakers on there. And a lot of them I haven't been able to buy. Um, but I will say last year, uh, as it relates to the sneakers app, I hit on two sneakers that were like top sneakers for the year. Uh, one was the Travis Scott ones, the Air Jordan Travis Scott ones, and the Air Jordan Travis Scott sixes. I hit on both of those. I couldn't believe it. Um, I haven't worn them yet. They're still on ice. <laughs> I'm waiting for the right moment to pull those bad boys out. So I've had some wins on the sneakers app. So I do love that app. But man, it is at the very same time so frustrating. So <laughs> I love that answer. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Best book I've read past six months. Uh, I have to say, uh, for me, it's been this book called Gentle and Lowly. I actually just mm-hmm. read it not that long ago. Um, I uh, was gifted it at our preaching retreat back in July. Um, our pastor of preaching, Ross Lester, gifted it to all the preachers um, and uh, read it. I probably think I read it like three weeks ago. Dude, that's an incredible book. Um, just talking about the character of Jesus, how, you know, who he was and how he was um, and what that means for us, dude. And yeah, and absolutely incredible. I mean, most of our elders um, and our leaders have either read it or are getting ready to read it here at the Austin Stone and can't recommend that book enough. Gentle and lowly. Yep. It's good. It's come up on this podcast several times, several yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, last question, Dre, what one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Oh man. I'd say, man, anyone going into leadership for the very first time, uh, I'd say two things need to be priority for you in your leadership. One is a relentless commitment to the development of your character. May give things matter. Um, you need to cultivate those. The Lord gave those to you, and so they do matter. They're not lesser than. Um, but man, your your giftings are only as good as your character is at the end of the day. So, man, I would I would implore them, please, please, please do all you can. Get yourself around people that care about your character and invest in your character. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I would say lead with lead with all humility. Follow the ways of Jesus. Uh, be meek in your leadership. Be humble in your leadership. Um, wherever you find yourself in leadership, you're sure to have something that you bring to the table that everyone values, that that you know is is your thing, the thing that you are bringing um, to that table to help that team. Um, but I would say, man, uh, the, the saying goes that pride comes before the downfall, and that is absolutely true. Lead with humility, lead in the ways of Jesus, um, and invest in your character. Character matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. Invest in it. Mm-hmm. Well, Andre, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. See you next week. Peace. Oh, Lakers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>